Welcome to the Effects Loop. I'm Diaz. I'm Chris. I'm Marissa. And I'm Scott. We are keeping you in the loop of the guitar community. This episode is brought to you by no one. We don't have a sponsor this week. Um, So if you're listening and you would like to give us a sponsor, you can hit up one of us, myself, Chris, Marissa, Scott, and we could try to set something up. Or email. What's the email? The email is the effects loop at gmail.com because it's in our notes. So I love that. We're good to go. Um, So we'll go with what's new. Uh, Chris, what's new with you? I don't think I actually have anything this week. Sounds like you should buy something. Probably. Probably something from one of our sponsors. <laughs> so if you want so Chris to buy what, something from you. What are y'all going to sell me? <laughs> yeah. So if you want Chris to buy something from you, just shoot us an email and we'll make him buy something. <laughs> Marissa, what's new with you? Same. Nothing. <laughs> How's the, the, the base project come along with you guys? We haven't touched it since we got it back. So I'm hoping to spend some time with it this week and have an update for next week. Like, I got the tuners on, hopefully. <laughs> next week, what have you done? I got the E-string tuner. <laughs> then I got distracted. You have to buy screws. Oh, yeah, we still need to buy screws. Uh, okay. That would be that would be helpful. <laughs> it's helpful. We'll just super glue everything on. It'll be a completely, uh, it'll be on an episode of another podcast of like just things that have been butchered. Like it's got Elmer's, or it's got like the Gorilla Glue foam popping out of every place. <laughs> I oh they literally just aired one where somebody epoxied like four single yeah. coil pickups into it without Oh my gosh. Yeah. Why it, though? It was hideous. Yeah, I remember saying that one it didn't look good at all. Um but uh Scott, what's new with you? I I don't have it in hand yet. I've been waiting a couple days for something to ship three quarters of a mile. Um but uh, <laughs> this week I, I bought one of the uh, Cali 76 Deluxe compressors, which I've been having my eyes on for about a year now. So finally found a deal. Zachary um, Saucier, or however you pronounce his last name, guessed it right then. Oh, he had like five minutes before between when we posted it to answering it. It's crazy. Well, I mean, uh, the knobs gave it away on the top. Of, like, I knew it was origin effects. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh certain other buddy somebody has been uh teasing and talking about how great these things are for a while and i i've really liked the the keely comp that i've had but i just really wanted to try this out so i got it at a price that i could sell it again and be okay with it or you know we'll see what happens but so are you selling your keely comp or are you just keeping it i am selling one of them you have two of the pluses one of them is a blackout yeah, I, I'm keeping the blackout right now. Uh, yeah. I'm selling the regular. I wonder if the blackouts are ever going to get into like a good price to like flip. I don't think they made enough of them. I mean, I when I say that, I I don't think they limited them enough. No, um, they because they kept selling them throughout the weekend. Like that was the whole thing. Like it was wasn't it Black Friday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I were I got one too. So uh, Scott and I both got in on it. But, like, they started with the first batch, and, like, you got in, and then they're like, oh, well, it sold so fast, we're going to sell some more. And you're like, wait, 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 it wouldn't have sold as fast if we would have known you are going to sell some more. And then they, like, did, like, four batches of it. Yeah, I mean, Fuzz Rocious did that this week with their uh, their April 20th 
uh, theme mm-hmm. pedal. <laughs> what's, April, um, what's so special on April 20th, Scott? Yeah, uh, tell us. I, I mean, it's the day we Educators. all remember the day Diaz hurt his back, so. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't, I think it actually started hurting the day before, but like that that's the day I went down. Mm-hmm. So, But mm-hmm. I did get something in the mail on April 20th for my uh, new gear day. So I got the Keeley blacked out, staying with the Keeley blacked out. I got the pepper grinder. So right. <laughs> it's uh it's good for grinding pepper. So we made I made dinner that night and used it and it did its job very well. Good job, <laughs> Robert Keeley, for making an amazing pepper grinder. Wait, you fed your kids using that thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have like officers knocking on the door. Yeah. So, it's like right now. They're like they subpoena Robert Keeley to get my address. Like <laughs> going through this whole big ordeal. No, uh, my kids did not eat using the pepper grinder. That would be very bad parenting. So, but that is that's that went into my what's new. So I did get that on April 20th, which was pretty cool because that's a culinary holiday apparently. Uh-huh. I do love. I went. I went, on, <laughs> I went on Gear Talk. Praise and worship was teasing people. Like, whenever they launched, when they announced it, um, I knew I was gonna end up buying one. But I posted it in Gear Talk. Praise and worship. I was like, did anyone see this? I just played dumb for the longest time, and finally, people were like, "It's a weed grinder. What's wrong with you?" <laughs> but you can't. Say That's that. when I would have pulled the uh, like. Well, why do you know what this is? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like. Eh. It's like when someone's like walks around like, oh, it smells like weed. I'm like, how do you know what weed smells like? Like, don't like, act like you're all innocent. <laughs> I remember the first time I went to a high school party and someone was smoking weed there. I was like, man, it smells like my dad's garage. <laughs> it smells like the art teacher's office. Yeah, that's it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, whenever your teacher's just like, I can't handle you little kids anymore. Like outside. <laughs> like i need a break (laughs) the one teacher that just has his head down that's all he's not even smoking his head's just in his lap because he can't handle it anymore (laughs) oh man all right so i guess we're gonna go into uh gear news so um zvex expands their fuzz factory um line and has a new silicone fuzz factory silicon so, I will say it however I choose to. Okay. They are different materials. Silicone is what you use to seal up windows. Well, it'll seal your town whenever it becomes available. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So it's silicon. Yes. And then silicone has an E at the end, and that's what you use to seal up windows. There you go. This episode was brought to you by PBS. <laughs> and viewers <laughs> like you. <laughs> Let's see. So who has played an actual, like the original Fuzz Factory from ZVEX? I have not because I've never been that big into Fuzz. Yeah, but you were talking mad smack on Instagram about how yours was the only <laughs> Pelotar that was on the board, which mine is on my board. I just took nice pictures with it. <laughs> For someone's website, by the way, Carter's Talks Tone. I'm going to talk smack, but um, you're not a good fuzz guy. <laughs> Leon, if, you're, if you happen to listen, he's not the fuzz guy, so 
No, I'm not. I will openly admit that. That's part of what has like put me off on getting other pedal stuff done is like, okay, I don't know what to do with the fuzz. I know it makes a very crunchy sound, but... uh... Yeah, but like fuzz is... I use fuzz for lead stuff, not rhythm. Like that's, I think that's another thing too, is it depends on what type of fuzz, like, and what you're doing with the fuzz. Like I like a nice fuzz that's got the tone of like a distortion, not super thick, not super thin right there, kind of in the middle. Yeah. See, that's the thing with me is I'm a more solid, like rhythm player and prefer to do that. So things like fuzzes and some distortions just really aren't, in my wheelhouse see i don't chris have you tried an op amp version of the muff yet i have not you might like the op amp version more because that's like the the billy corgan one is yeah he that's what he used yeah it gives you that it does rhythm better with like power chords and or just (laughs) octaves it works really well for that except for there's like zero used ones on the market yet and the one used one that showed up in my reverb feed so far was three dollars off of new and i went no i mean they're only 80 bucks new so sorry yeah, that's 80, the cool 60. thing that's the cool thing about <laughs> electro harmonics pedals is they can come out with some like their fuzzes and stuff and a lot of the small enclosure stuff is so dang cheap but it's a yeah. good quality yeah i've been i've been toying with picking one of those up i uh i played Blackmore Effects makes one called the Creamsicle, which I gave to a certain other person who hosts the podcast for a Secret Santa gift. Uh, but I, I really like that one because it had one of the. You can the say their name. It's not like it's a big. Like... No, no, you know who you are. <laughs> like, like there's some feud or something. Like he's like, he's like, who will not be named? I'm like, dude, it's cool. Is it Ryan or Steve? I, I, who was I it? Just, like... Yeah, it was Ryan. Uh, okay. <laughs> It's like, who else would a cream sickle be going to? Yeah, <laughs> I want. I actually wanted to give it to Albert because I because it's orange, so I knew he'd love it. But um, yeah, it's got a it's got the tone stack uh, bypass switch, uh, so you just kind of hit that and it just gets louder and more awesome. So I've been eyeing one of those too, but just I don't know. It, it's one of those things I play with when I'm at home, but like I haven't found a way to use it on stage yet. I love those pedals though. I love those pedals that like you just you bypass your whole board and you just plug it straight into an amp and get to mess around mm-hmm. with. Like my my Dan Electro Fab Tone, uh, I, the big box uh, distortion pedal, like that's one of those pedals that I just I plug straight into an amp and I'll run a little bit of reverb and it just sounds like it's just fun to play. That's what I like to do with the Pelotar when I do use it. Now Pelotar is an amazing pedal. So we all have a really Pelotar. Is. We actually, mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of funny cause we were talking about making this a topic. So we ended up on it, but yeah, the Pelotar is, it's pretty cool. Cause it's got a blend knob instead of using, um, a tone knob, you actually have a blend between two different fuzzes going on at once. And it's, there's a it's tone the, knob too. Wait, what? Yeah, there's there's a blend knob on the Pelotar that goes between the left side, right side fuzzes. Yeah. And then there's a tone knob where they work opposite each other. So when one gets brighter, the other one gets darker. So the, then the knob's doing output. two different things? No, there's there's three knobs on the Pelotar. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Blin. Okay, yeah. Blin tone, and yeah, you're right. Does Diaz still have his Peloton? No, I, I do. Mine's not. <laughs> Listen, hold on. I'm, right I, 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 hold on. I'm gonna put an asterisk on this episode. Uh-oh. So we talked about me messing up my back. I might be on medication right now. So just throwing that out there. So <laughs> on your Pelotar, there's a gain knob that's on the left. That's your blend between yeah, the two of them. Yeah, okay. The treble is actually the tone stack. And when one gets brighter, the other gets darker. And then your output is your actual output. And then you've got an actual gain control inside. They've got trim pots. I mean, yeah, if you disagree with how Leon set it up for you. Well, Leon mm. Leon will tell you that they always come just full blast. Yeah. Because that's, that's the only way you should run a gain, is, or a fuzz, <laughs> is full blast. No, because he told me that it's in there, because I've got mine set up. One of them has less gain than the other, so it actually kind of works like a gain, but it doesn't. I should play with that. Yeah. Excuse oh, me? do you do you even have a Pelotar anymore, he says? That was Chris, not me. Thank you. Oh, okay. Uh, we just found something interesting on Reverb. The original artwork for the Germanium Pelotar is for sale for $750. Oh, that's the owner. <laughs> the, Spruce the, the, the owner from, uh, so he got like pissy whenever they were doing the limited editions because when the GE Pelotar came out, they uh, someone went and flipped it like right away. Well, they tried mm. to flip it. <laughs> he has not sold it yet. Well, they tried to flip it, like in yeah. the owner of uh, what's the other company? Not Peloton, not Spruce. Uh, Spruce. Spruce Effects got all pissy, and I honestly think it's funny because of how mad he got that someone was flipping. Which it seems like as a pedal builder, you've got to like accept that if you do a limited edition, someone's gonna flip it if it's a desirable pedal. If people actually care about it, mm-hmm. and you're teaming up with the Pelotar, which is pretty. It was pretty crazy when it came out. Everyone's like, what is this? And, th- and then everyone just fell in love with it in the 60 cycle hum world. And it's like, that's a group that's like, has dedicated flippers. I mean, out until Hannock, that man flips like nobody's business. No kidding. And like, I don't think he posted it, but if he did, I wouldn't be surprised. But like, because that happened in the Matthews effects group. Um, Matthew effects put out the father, which was, I think, I think that was the first of their limited edition, limited run pedals for that group. And someone went to flip it like right away and it went, <laughs> it was insane. The people in that group turned so fast. Actually, speaking of Matthew's effects, did you get your full yet? No, I have not gotten my full yet. It's supposed to be shipping this week. Okay, cool. And that's what he said. Cause they, he, the way he's been doing the limited edition ones is he does like a first batch the, so the first few people get theirs early, and then he does a second batch. But this one, I guess everything's coming out at the same time, so that's pretty cool. Hmm. Well, well, going back I, to the Fuzz Factory, <laughs> reel uh, this one back in. Uh, now that we've talked about every Fuzz out there, basically. Yeah. So the original <laughs> Fuzz Factory is germanium diodes, my yeah. understanding. is, I could be wrong here. So silicon will be less temperature-dependent seems to be the big marketing scheme of this not the silicon sounds different hmm. <sighs> thought that was kind of an interesting take Z- well zvex has always been kind of an odd duck with like the stuff that matters to him because he he did the uh what was that vibrato the candlelit vibrato that thing was awesome 
Yeah, it really was. That thing looked amazing. And how much was it for sale for? A couple of grand, I think. Yeah, I think it was like two or three grand. He only made one, though, right? Yeah. I don't think it ever sold. But it would be one. That would be have, like, if I had, like, just stupid collector money, that's what I'd buy. I would have bought that. I mean, you could have bought that instead of a Kemper. That would have been more cool. <laughs> Not, I mean... I mean, put it next to the Jesus candle at church. Yeah, and... or or use the Jesus candle. <laughs> <laughs> this is now the holy effect for the church. And... I use I, I use the candles that like you get at the back of the Dollar General with all the saints and everything for Catholicism. Or maybe that's because I'm in the South. That's where they just have everything. But probably because that's like mm-hmm. that's like the main th- like Spanish people. They mm. those dang candles. Anytime, because I'm from Florida, anytime you go to a Spanish friend's house, those candles were lit and they were out. I'm gonna, so I would just use those. <laughs> let's see. All right, so let's get back on topic. <laughs> so uh, we're going to move on. Right, so the Fuzz Factory, it's, I mean, it's pretty cool. I, I don't think it's worth like... $229. Noting. Yeah, can you get Fuzz the, Factory costs? How much are the... How much, but their used price is pretty low compared to that, isn't it? They don't hold yeah, their value that well. The Fuzz Factory's been out for almost 25, 30 years now. Yeah, I mean, but ZVEX has been ZVEX has put out stuff that's just like industry standards, like the Box of Rock. Mm-hmm. And then I love their Pro Bois. I want one of those so bad. So, But let's move on. Uh, TC Electronics announced their uh, how, Eon, Aeon. I was going to ask that question myself. Is it? He Eon? says it, he says it in the uh, video that release, but I think it's Eon. So it's pretty much a, it's it's an Ebo. So TC Electronics came out with their version of the Ebo. It looks pretty nice. So it's got a um, what does that look? The metal. Eon. Uh, brushed aluminum. Brushed aluminum, and it is pretty cool. So if you've played an Ebo. The setup is totally different. I think the way you hold it, I don't know. It seems kind of weird. Yeah, that's what I was thinking at first when I saw this. Was this seems like it would be super hard to hold because that's the cool thing about the Ebo is that it's a little more ergonomical to where it like makes sense to hold in your hand and get a good grip. Where this, you're like having to hold it with two fingers and hope you don't drop it. The cool thing about I, this, thing, I only hold the, uh, I only hold the Evo with like two or three fingers. Yeah, I hold it with three. I've got my thumb on one side, my middle finger on the other, and my index kind of holding the top. Because usually I'm trying to palm mute the other strings. I usually mute with my left hand the other strings for the most part. Yeah. I don't worry about palm muting so much. Um, the price tag on this is. Awesome, sixty nine ninety five, which is about on point with the Ebo, right? Used. How much is an Ebo new? I don't know, like a hundred something, like hundred and ten, maybe hundred. Yeah. So it's this is bad. already. All right, I, so this I, is good. It's a hundred even. It's a hundred even. So I guess you can make the argument that since the Eon is part metal versus all plastic that if you drop it on a hardwood surface which i have done before it shatters yeah the so Evo, hopefully this would not shatter the Evo that was one of the big complaints was 
it, you, I don't know how many times I'd seen Ebo with tape around it, electrical tape, holding the battery compartment. Because that's one of the first things to go. And then the switch goes. So I think, Scott, you said that you've got one where the switch is going out. Yeah, yeah, it's a little finicky. So the the cool thing, and the, the one thing I have to say about this, so this is going to be, this will probably lower the price of the Ebo. The Ebo will probably go down to 90 bucks, maybe. Um, unless they think that they can stay in the market at 100 because they were here first and they're the original. But the thing is, is TC Electronics, this is new. So it's not saying newer is always better, but in the sense of the guitar world, uh, sometimes newer can be a lot better. Yeah, as I mentioned in the video that they tweaked the whatever system they were using. So that way, it's like the Evo, you have to be right on the string. And they mentioned that you don't have to be right on it, which is already a big plus to me because it was always annoying, like finding that sweet spot. The hardest part on the Evo for me was getting where it wasn't finding the spot on the string. It was getting where I don't have huge volume swell. Because yeah, those things are so loud. Yeah, that too. It, it just blasts. It goes from, like, you're, like, trying to play. Like, usually when I use an Ebo, I would use it um, for an ambient sound going with, uh, like, if I'm in church, the pastor's talking or something. There's nothing worse than hearing, like, it just <laughs> revving up. And you're just like, oh, God. And you're, like, trying to stop and people are looking at you. Yeah. I mean, basically so. what we were doing is setting one string into, like, full feedback. Yeah. So I I don't think there's any way to do it where that's not incredibly loud. Yeah, probably. Like, even even the sustainer or sustainiac pickups, those Yeah, things. the ones – there was a one that was in a pawn shop near me. It was a Fernandes, and they had the sustainiac system or whatever it's called. It was pretty cool. What about the guitar and just taking that out? <laughs> can you buy the system on its own? Uh, I believe you still can. Yeah, that's kind of a weird thing to put in a guitar, though, in my opinion. I mean, I understand the point of it, but, like, I wouldn't want it to stay in there. Oh. Yeah. Were those pickups any good anyways? Uh, I think that's what the Edge used when they recorded... Uh, What song is it? Which album is it from? Joshua Tree. I can't remember. Why are we blanking on this? But anyway, uh, <laughs> he used that, and I think he may still, because I have honestly never seen him with an Ebo in hand. So He's claimed he's using one um, on their website. We can confirm. Yeah. We'll confirm in a week. <laughs> in one week, you're going to be like, oh, so how, what about this Evo thing? So wait, <laughs> you're seeing them in the next week? Yeah, we're going to the opening show of the Experience Tour. So That's I wanted to go to that. Where's it at, isn't it? It's in Tulsa, so we're also going to be seeing John Snyder that week. So oh, might be right. able to get him on the podcast at some point. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then our next thing that is coming out is Hum Beats. I don't know what the heck it is. I tried watching a video on it, and I'm, <laughs> it's I think a... I'm more confused than whenever I went into it. Yeah, so it's, it, a... it's an app that seems to be able to do like voice voice recognition to create essentially beatboxing a MIDI track together. 
from what I could tell it can do, which seemed really interesting. I meant to buy it. I haven't done that yet. So it's kind of like how they you had the uh, auto-tune Little Wayne app? Uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a little more serious than that. <laughs> Supposedly. A little more? A little <laughs> more. Uh, well, it, it's got a looper built in, so you can kind of like lay down something and then put it over it. I, I, I read about this. I think it's actually this has really cool potential if it does work it's like how often are you like kind of conceiving in your head with a song idea and you're just like you can sing it out real quick but like you you don't want to take the time to like get it into an instrument write it yeah. down and all those other kind of things this looks like a cool kind of on the go like hey i've got this idea i'll lay it down real quick and just keep moving hmm. and seven bucks isn't that bad for that if like you're serious songwriter even not like fully serious but you just get random ideas that's still pretty worth it to be able to keep your songs somewhere well and if you can output it to midi tracks and then like port that into pro tools or whatever you whatever you write in you know from a production standpoint yeah that could be a really cool cool tool to use hmm. so check it out hum beats with a z <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Diaz will be like... the first one to download it, and next week will be like, "Guys, listen to this that I wrote." <laughs> this is the new theme song. <laughs> Let's see, and then we're gonna go and move on to our topic. So we actually had um, uh, a thread in the group. If you haven't uh, joined the group, go to it. Just go to Facebook, search for groups. I'm not going to read the entire URL because it's really long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be down in the show notes, too. <laughs> yeah, it'll be down in the show notes. Click Follow the link. But um, I think it was Adam Dolhanek, uh talked about having muddy tone. So I think we're going to kind of like move that into um, what type of tone are you like searching for? And if you were to show up to a gig and your tone didn't sound right, what you do to like try to fix it. So uh scott what type of tone like whenever you think of like either an artist that you're close to in your tone or what you're searching for in your tone uh how would you describe that well i'm very cliche in that um uh there's a part of me that periodically i really want to do the whole john Mayer continuum thing um yeah a lot of hand a lot of just like vibrato from big bends and that neck pickup on a strat into a fender kind of sound like i just love that um i i jokingly last week someone actually said wow you kind of sounded like john mayer after a church service and i was like yes (laughs) yes finally uh it was kind of my moment of like Hooray. But he's just um, a tear roll, single tear rolls down his face. He's like, you don't know how long I've been waiting to hear that. <laughs> I'm like, who paid you to say that? Yeah. <laughs> um, Does so my mom was, tell you to say that, Timmy? And yeah, I'm just happy that someone didn't think I played bass. They actually recognized that I play guitar. So that's because <laughs> tall people play bass. Apparently, that's that's the stereotype. Listen, the best um, bass players are are short. Besides Pino Palladino, no, that man is tall. So. Yeah, so like I go for that tone. Um, I it is a little warmer of a tone. It's not very piercing, so 
that does have a hard time sitting in the mix. You need the sound guy on your side, or you need to just kind of blast it to get it to sit on top of a mix. So that's what I go for. If you heard that thud, I was moving my mic. Sorry. Let's see. <laughs> well, I was just Chris, letting people what kind of tone do you go for? Uh, mine is very like mid focus like mid upper mids uh, a lot of that just comes from like style amps and drives that i use because i'm primarily like a vox tube screamer guy or marshall tube screamer guy yeah. so like no matter what i've either got a ton of mids or high end like i don't have a lot of bass so for most of the situations especially if i'm like the single guitar and as long as we don't have backing tracks i pretty much feel like I sit in the mix pretty well with that. As like uh, Scott said, I had a guy come up to me after a D-Now, which if you don't know what that is, it's a like church youth event, like weekend thing. And he was like, you know, you had really good tone. It sounded really good and it sat well in the mix and like wasn't too distracting. So like Scott, I was kind of in the back of my head being like, yes, an actual like, PNW, it's going to trigger a lot of people. An actual PNW player that like sat in the mix and played to the songs. <laughs> so, are you saying PNW players can't sit in the mix? Well, <laughs> or they're always like, "What can make me get out in the mix more?" It's like, well, stop. Kick playing up your mid. <laughs> I don't. I still don't understand how people don't get that. Uh, but you gain know, gain is also volume control. So that's right. Gain is also <laughs> the only person who's gonna get triggered is Scott. Because Scott was like <laughs> on a roll on the pre-episode. He's just like, ah, oh, gain is not volume, or gain is not distortion. I'm just seething over here. <laughs> but Scott knows so I'm also like a sound guy, so I know the difference between those. <laughs> I'm gonna just start saying stuff to make Scott mad. Snap. <laughs> I'll be like, man, I was trying to be, I was trying to get in the mix more, so I turned up my bass. So, <laughs> so I always keep my bass at seven o'clock, just in, or at uh, two o'clock. Just in case the bass player isn't playing that part of the song, so we yeah. still have bass. <laughs> Don't worry, it's in the track. Yeah. <laughs> that is the truth. There's no, no l- listen. There's no no amount of delay that is too much. Oh, so much, so much. Um. <laughs> like 30, 30 seconds, seconds later, later why is the intro to that song still going on in the mix oh i've got <laughs> i've got dual dual delays i've got two strymon digs I, they're going at different tempos to give a nice layered effect <laughs> and then i've got my big sky going into a blue sky and going into the other sky <laughs> you're like dude it's one of those like when people get mad they're like you're not even really playing guitar like those are the people i'm looking at i'm just like they're like no no no, listen to this tone and they hit one single note and it lasts for like six measures you're like no no gotcha dude that's kind of how i felt when i was trying out the therme from uh, chase bliss where it was like this is so cool but what i play does not matter at all to like what this whole effect and all these loops that are coming out of it are doing uh so he didn't create a pedal he created an instrument basically 
Uh, <laughs> and your guitar is just a controller. I'm not saying that. And if Chase Bliss wants to disagree, feel free to reach out to me and send a sample. I will examine it. <laughs> More and, closely? Yeah. I, I want to do the... I like their Condor. Is that what it's called? The Condor? The new one that came out? The uh, EQ. Uh, the EQ. It's Dude, more that a, thing a, looks cool. Like it's it's an EQ on its face, but when you pr- bring all the ramping into it, it's it's more of an oscillating filter. Yeah. Effect. No, it, that thing is flipping amazing, though. I I mean, it makes me want to get a synthesizer. Have you seen the videos of them doing it with a synthesizer? Oh, when he went mm. over to Tycho's studio, and I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that was impressive. Yeah, they do that live too. I I saw Tycho about a year ago in concert and it was just fantastic i don't know who that is but is that that's the guy who did the the noise oh yeah yeah check out their albums they're fantastically like just just turn it on and just chill out for a while why do i just grinder maybe i was about to say (laughs) you need to borrow the pepper grinder like you're just i just imagined scott like dropping like acid taking his shirt off listening to like house music like, no one <laughs> no one wants me with my shirt off let's be honest here um, hold on albert if you end up listening to this i've got a new plan for what we're gonna do at summer nam text me yeah. <laughs> oh gosh oh no <laughs> have you guys ever seen slc punk uh, no no oh my gosh i'm, you have to I'm see so movie. straight edge it makes straight edge look lame Alright, so SLC Punk's like one of the greatest movies ever made Matthew Lillard, the guy who ends up playing Shaggy on the Scooby-Doo movie Like, he he kills it It, That's a cool movie, you guys have to check it out I can't believe you've never seen that movie at all Alright No, don't go back Just go see the movie Just go see the movie, okay Go go download the movie, it's probably on Amazon or Netflix Yeah Hmm. So, sitting in the mix Yes. Uh, how do you do topic. it? <laughs> All right. So I, um, the way I've got my tone set up and everything, I usually play a darker sound. So I use a blues breaker, uh, bass pedal most of the time, uh, which for usually they are a darker sounding pedal, and that's usually typically where my drive is. If I'm doing distortion and fuzz, it's also usually darker. So I run the most common amp. So I've got the Kemper profile. The most common profile I use is a Morgan AC20. So that already gets me a little bit of the mid hump. Um, But what I do is I run everything and I have it how I like it sounding at home when I'm not playing with people. And then I've got a, uh, an AEQ setting that's called uh, cut the mix. And I hit that on. So it's a mid hump and that's the main thing is whenever you're trying to get a good tone when if you're listening to it at home and it sounds kind of uh, like off just a little bit like your EQs just a little bit off that's usually probably where you want to be sitting was that that mid hump that when sitting by itself it sounds a little different but whenever you get in with all your other instruments it sounds right where it needs to be yeah so that's, that's my main thing it's like that's <sighs> I, I play um, mostly my Gibson SG, and uh, and that that's a darker sounding instrument on the neck. So I usually have to have a lot of. I usually get a good range with that with my guitar though. Also in trying to find where I need to be sitting in the mix. So if I'm trying to kind of go back and not be heard so much, I go darker and use the neck, and then 
if I'm playing like the lead lines, I'll kick it on the bridge pickup and let it kind of really cut through the mix on that. So, so I, I'm going to back it up a little bit. Um, not even thinking about like what tone are you using um, to cut the mix. I I think an important thing in in sitting in a group or a band is kind of acknowledging what the rest of the band is and what are they doing. So, like w- my church uses a few different kind of groups of musicians and um you know guitar and piano both have multiple octaves of capabilities so they have much more range than pretty much any other instrument um so it's important i think for guitar players to kind of sit there and go all right where is everybody else so that i can sit in this and not be stepping all over everybody Mm -hmm. um like last week i i sent you guys all a clip of where to be playing at my church and the violin player and I were just stepping all over each other because we were trying to sit right in the same spot. And, mm-hmm. and, and that violin, pl- violin player won on that competition, by the way. Like, Yeah, there, there's a few times where just I she was louder in the mix and just blew me out. Yeah, that's all and, I heard. And she was a little flat um, <laughs> as well. So that that made me sound out of tune a few times too. But trying to mimic each other and and not say like if there's a violin player jump up an octave or jump down an octave and and work around them um well the problem this, is a lot of those a lot of uh players who are classically trained by are like ooh, uh, when you're using instruments that you find uh in an orchestral setting um they're used to playing where you're doing a like a symphonic piece and everything is moving constantly um, mm-hmm. And like the fl- like flutes, uh, a fl- if you have a flute player, um, it's hard to get one that plays really well with the music because they always want to be moving. And uh, violin players are kind of the same way. Those parts usually in an or- in an orchestra, um, or where you know however they're playing are usually parts that are constantly moving. They don't have a rhythm part usually, so that's always tough playing with another instrument like that. Yeah, it's it's important to and when you do occupy the same space of another musician is to leave space for each other and how you're playing. Mm-hmm. So, um we have we have a few songs where uh me and one of the violin players will just trade parts back and forth. So, uh an important thing for praise and worship guitar players to know, you don't have to play all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. Um and you don't have to be playing a lot all of the time. You can just kind of sit there and back up a rhythm part or, you know. Or actually not play. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then there goes the rest of the PNW uh, listeners. <laughs> Boom. That's, it's funny. Whenever everyone stopped listening right about the... The 40 minute mark just boom shut off <laughs> i was totally with the straight edge guy and then he told me i play too much and so i've got um uh, another guitar player at my yep. church and uh he is a younger feller and <laughs> um he's he's got he's uh, he can play circles around me far better guitar player than i am um just learning how to uh, play in a praise and worship setting is the tough, kind of the tough part because the boy likes to noodle a lot, and uh, he he wants to like be noodling. Like even if he's playing acoustic, he's up there on the twelfth fret, and I think that's one of the hard <laughs> parts is teaching some of the people how to actually serve the song and 
and not just be playing because you're bored. Like I used to be guilty of that, but oh, I, I mean, I'm still thing. guilty about that. Periodically, someone needs to turn around and tell me, like, hey, you know, what? just sit this verse out. Yeah. Can you please stop playing, Scott? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's not what I'm playing is terrible. It's just not for right now. You know, yeah. it's and a that's... funeral, Scott. Please calm down. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to give the eulogy. I was trying to. Sweet child of mine totally fits right then. Come on. Did you not uh, hear what she said? That was a lyric from <laughs> Sweet Child of Mine. <laughs> you cannot blame me. Yeah. Well, I, so we're still talking about praise and worship music in this context. But, um, you know, there's a lot of knocking going on for how a lot of the recorded versions of songs are, that the parts are too easy or there's not a lot of skill in what's going on or it's really repetitive. A, a component of that is sitting in a live mix with keyboards and sitting uh, backing tracks and multiple guitars and all this kind of stuff is simpler lead lines will sit better in a mix yeah, doing the yeah. whole Coldplay thing where you just kind of hit one note and just rock it out for a while works really well in I, those uh, contexts oh i love doing that i think that's that's like old school rock though too hitting that note and just like going at it mm-hmm but the, I, I, Coldplay is a good example, I think, um, because they have kind of a P&W feel with the instrumentation they've got set up with, you know, they've got Chris Martin playing acoustic and piano. They've got the electric guitar player, the drummer, the bass player, like the way they play is close to praise and worship. And um, the guitar player in, in Coldplay doesn't always play a whole lot, but it, it definitely is... Uh, it's effective in what it's doing. Yeah. I, I would say Coldplay's music is very dense because there's a lot of keyboards in there. There's a lot of space being filled up with other things. Uh, there's kind of section. like how praise and worship is now. Huh? Funny how that is. <laughs> and you know, there, there's this band. I, I don't know if you guys have heard of them. It's, um, you two to you to you. Okay. To uh, you. Yeah. Too, there was too, a similar too. thing there that that guy um that no one knows who that guitar player is he's a real unsung hero um that you were seething sarcasm <laughs> gosh i'm wow. mr dave evans as uh, some of us refer to him in the pnw groups okay <laughs> but he's another example of a guy who knows his place in the song of like he doesn't play overly complicated parts all the time and he's not trying to fill up the entire stadium with tons of big Marshall stack sound and power chords. It's he's playing little things, rhythmic things that sit above or out of where the sonically dense part of the song is. And that's why it shines really well. Mm -hmm. So changing up your playing, I think is actually a big component of sitting in the mix. Whereas, um, if you're sitting there playing power chords or cowboy chords over an acoustic guitar player, over the piano, over everybody else, you're going to blend in. You're not really going to sit out. That's not a bad thing. But Learn those triads. Yeah. You know, moving into a different position, learning chords in the second or third or fourth positions will help you kind of get learning away from... system. Yeah, I'm still learning that. I mean... I haven't even tried yet. I need to though. Oh, it's honestly you probably know it. It's just finally putting a uh, um, a technique to the technique, <laughs> the, a name to the technique you're using. Yeah. So that's like playing a. It's just playing a G shape on different far, parts of the neck. 
can get you a different like if you play a G shape up and your uh, low E string, you're hitting you know the um, let's see the tenth fret and you're playing a G shape, you're hitting a D. So it's and and but you're getting a different voicing for it. Yeah. So like your A shape is you know whenever you're playing pretty much a power chord like D and then you've got you know all these other ways the E is like playing a bar chord so and if you're not there yet this is the other one I tend to tell acoustic players as they're learning and and being the second acoustic guitar player Capo. a lot of song if 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 one player is playing in a certain position play five frets up and transpose the chords into a different chord shape just so you're using different voicings and things like that and you're not muddying up or just repeating the same area yeah we had to do that at my old church where we had three no four guitar players at times what the hell do you need four guitar players for uh i have no idea it's kind of like you know whenever (laughs) you see like leonard skinner playing and they're like oh yeah we're bringing back the guy who played on this one song they got like eight guitar players up there you're like what Someone, you know, one of those is not coming through the system at all, and he's just yeah. up there and like feeling horrible about himself because he's like, I'm like, I don't even need to be up here. Well, you know, like the Foo Fighters, they have what three or four guitars on stage? Three, three guitars. Three, if there's a guy but, in a kiss mask, is on the stage or not? Yeah, but like that, that makes was still sense. Three cause... guitar players because he took Dave Grohl's guitar. Hmm. And then the Chris guy, and then there's one other Chris. But like, like well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. If you get, it, it's not just one other, okay? It's Pat Smear. Okay, I don't, don't just I don't know brush names. him off. But that <laughs> man is like a punk legend. Yeah, but anyway, if you listen to songs like The Pretender that have three or four distinct guitar parts going on, that's when yeah. it makes sense. So that way, did you you're do not... The Pretender at your last church? Uh, I'm pretty sure we probably talked about it once, but no, we did not. <laughs> but you don't need you don't need four guitar players in praise and worship. No. Well, this was also back in the time when Hillsong actually still knew what a guitar was before they discovered Ableton or whatever, and then oh, throwing shade. Oh. And there goes the other rest of the PBW listeners. But yeah, that was. Totally different time in the PNW scene. So now we, at the church I'm at now, we get away with like one or none. I usually. feel like <laughs> I feel like you, I feel like the most you should have is three. You should have two electrics and an acoustic. Mm-hmm. If you have two acoustics and two electrics, I would hate to be your sound guy because one of well, one of you is not coming through the mains. That's all there is to it. One Basically. of the acoustics isn't going to go through the mains. Well, you, the, if, you, if you got one acoustic doing cowboy chords, you got one acoustic, you know, no. capoing up higher and doing a different shape. You've got one electric who just is just going to rock and sustain a power chord the whole time. Yeah. No. And doesn't play at other points. And then you have your meatly meatly guy. That could work. No. But no. you have to you have to orchestrate all that. Like you got to you have you have to have Do you know how hard it is to get that. four guitar players on the same page and everyone like not care like because you know you're gonna have the two acoustic players and you're gonna have the one guy that's like trying to play dust in the wind on every song and do f- finger picking <laughs> and all this and you're gonna have one guy who's strumming out of beat 
And like that's See, the guy getting like, and you got to decide: do you want the guy who's offbeat but adding more to the song, or do you want the guy who's trying to needle, needly knee on an acoustic in your mix, or you could just not have any of them coming through the mix. As a sound guy, I I like break out the headphones and listen to whoever sounds better. I don't care what they're playing; they could be needly needling, but I will put that guy higher in the mix than the guy strumming if it's just that bad. Well, Chris, I, there have been a couple of churches people. I've done that. <laughs> you know me and sound people. I just tick them off. Yes, you do. <laughs> so actually, that brings me to another great point of sitting in the mix, actually. is <laughs> Scott's like, and I diverge us back to where we started. Well, okay. This is, this is going to be a really kind of dumb one to say, but don't be a jerk and make the sound guy like you. Like, show up well, early. Okay. Be ready okay. with your parts. Like... If people like you, they're gonna want you louder in their mix. It's yeah. it's one of those kind of connected things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the the joke. Hold on, really quick. The joke about sound people not liking me comes from where um, I was talking in a group that was a bunch of church media techs, and I'm not a media tech, but I like to go in there because you can learn some things. It's always good to learn about other people's jobs. Not so you can tell them how to do their job, but so you can have a more of an understanding for how they do their job. Totally um, agree. So I'm usually in that group, and I, I don't usually start stuff. And I usually tell people, oh, I'm, a, I'm a guitar player. So this one guy was like, whenever uh, you get, when your guitar player wants to get a good sound, do you work with them or do you just set up the mic or do you let them touch the mic or whatever? It was this guy. And I so I went in there and I said, you know, as a guitar player, what I like to do is I have my sound set up. And I think it was about placing the mic. I think that and was the thread, yeah. That was the that was the whole point was placing the mic, which most guitar players have an idea of where they like the mic placed with their amp and what sounds good. And also media or also sound techs know what how works with their system. Mm-hmm. So and how they've had everything set up. So I put on there I said what I like to do when I'm playing out places and I'm not with a normal, you know, sound tech I know is I let them set it up. I listen, and if I don't like the way I sound, I ask him, you know, nicely, like, hey, can we try putting the mic here? And this guy got on there and got so mad. He's like, I would have just <laughs> took my mic and, like, ran off. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> good thing you're not my media – or you're not my tech guy. I keep saying media because it's a media and tech group. I'm like, good thing you're not my tech guy. Like, it's – having a good relationship with your sound guy is extremely beneficial. It really so, is. I was at the sound guy that we last had at our church um, was the sound guy like tip that everyone complains about. Like he accidentally muted our main vocalist one time because he fell asleep. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm not making this up. Um, we were switching. Uh, like our pastor had to like yell his name because he fell asleep during the sermon. He's like. <laughs> I'm not going to say his name, <laughs> but he's like, Dave, Dave, and like yelling for him. And it was a nightmare. So, I mean, but I still, I try to be nice with him, but half the time, like, I'd be like, Hey, can you turn me up a little bit? And he'd like turn the gain up and we're using avium where if you turn the gain on a channel, it boosted it in the avium system. And it was like, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, it was a nightmare. So like fighting with that was insane, but having like a good relationship with your sound guy, you you can't mess or mess up with that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, it, you should have that attitude, frankly, with I think everybody in a group. That's that's a healthy attitude of how do I help you do your your job as best you can. You know, how, how can we support each other in this situation? And because you're all working together for something, you and all so want to sound good. Yeah, and if you're walking in right off the bat saying I know better than everybody else and it's all about me, no one's going to want to work with you. And frankly, sound guys get it more than anybody else does because they have to deal with every single musician and every single speaker and every single other type of person. And they always get everything at the last minute and they're, you know, a lot's put upon them. So the, the grumpy sound guy stereotype is accurate for a reason. Yeah. Uh, well, that's like the a- guitar players are like, Oh yeah. Um, no, no, I'm going to leave my volume here and they sneak and they turn it up and mm-hmm. they act like the, they act like the sound guy's not going to catch it. That's yeah. my favorite thing. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like just, work with people and the other part is just kind of when you're done go and talk with them and you know say hey how am i doing what could i do different what's working for you have that open dialogue of communication and not in the terms of let me mansplain to you why everything's not working (laughs) but more the hey what do you think about what's going on because i've had times where guys tell me they're like yeah you you know your guitar is a little shrill maybe we should move the mic or you know some of those kind of comments and it's helpful and you know work together also Unless show up on time guy. yeah dude oh my gosh or early show up late. early and set your stuff up and then help other people set up and then the sound guy will love you there. so we Awkward so we sounds. talked about a few of those things I we were talking about EQ earlier on I think I think we should dive a little bit more into that. You, Chris, you were talking about how you're very mid heavy and that's a component of you kind of popping out in a mix. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What are we wanting to discuss more about this? Like why that was my option. Um, I think a lot of that probably mostly came from playing at the church that I normally have uh played out over the last couple of years um because we're really he- like when i say heavily tracked based like you could almost have nobody else on stage except for the singer it's like that heavily track based um uh, so it was a matter of finding where to sit so to me it made more sense to have more like mids and treble in mine in my mix uh, and of course i have a pretty good habit of using tone knobs for guitars i mean especially when i'm playing the junior you know you only have like that one option to adjust your tone you can't switch to a neck pickup but um if i at least put myself a little bit higher in the eq range um Either I can manually adjust it based on what I hear in the in-ears or, you know, let the sound guy do his thing and not, you know, really worry about what's out in the house. Uh, Because that kind of goes back to what you were saying is you need to put your trust in the sound guy. Because I've ran into this with, like, worship leaders when I've run sound. They're like trying to micromanage from stage. Like, hey, turn this up. It's like, okay, you're way behind the speakers. What you're hearing is not what is actually coming out. 
So mm-hmm. from a player's standpoint, that was something I had to learn and kind of put into practice at my old church. Um, so I've kind of gotten in the habit of, you know, just play your parts, uh, be vigilant of like your tone and your parts. That way, if it's if it's distracting to you, then there's the potential that it's distracting to someone else. So that's really it from my side. Diaz, you were talking about you're doing a cut the mix preset. Yeah. So is that a mid boost? Or yeah, what, for the most part. Mid, mid into the lower range of the trebles. Um, so it really kind of gives that nice... Uh, the best way to describe it is kind of like... Um, oh, I don't know. So just so imagine um, like a Stevie Ray Vaughan track, how the guitar just sticks out so well, but it's not distracting. Um, it really has kind of that feel to it. That's usually what I go for, where the guitar is, it's prominent, and and I found that like the upper mids, lower treble range, really uh, gets me right there. Where I'm cutting through, you can hear me, but I'm not distracting. So, and I can roll back my volume and kind of control that way. Um, cause we usually, our church, uh, so I told you about our last sound guy and he was our last sound guy right now. Um, our pastor's kind of running sound and he's been a musician forever. So he, he runs it really well. Um, but he, we've got the Behringer X32. So he set, kind of sets the iPad and then just leaves it. Um, so there's not a whole lot of adjustment during the service. So when it comes time for a uh, a solo or something, I usually kick on um, my woodcutter, which I have set uh, the volume kind of boosted up a little bit so I can cut through uh, that way with volume. And then uh, if I'm playing and I want to like roll back in the mix, I just roll my volume back some. So, But the way I've got my tone set up is just right there. Uh, and he usually sets it and then uh i can i found the way to adjust to really uh go with the music so yeah any of you guys use a clean boost at the end of your chain for i need a little bit uh, more and i don't want to rely on my sound guy mm, uh, i not really. no i i do i do mine uh with uh it's not a clean boost at the end but um i've got it set up where if i kick on um, I use a Morningstar MIDI controller, and I run a decibel 11 loop expander. So all of my drives are running via MIDI. So I have a MIDI uh, preset set up that uh, that's, uh, activates my dually and my light drive. And uh, my light drive has kind of a little bit more volume on tap. So I use that for uh, any clean solo, or I put my dually in front of it for a kind of a like a heavy heavy overdrive solo or if I'm playing a lead line or then I've also got my woodcutter set up to have the volume up high because I usually don't use that for anything rhythmic. Oh. Yeah, I've got I've got a Spark mini booster from TC Electronic that I I have just like I just want a hair louder. I I put that in my chain at yeah, the those- end those sparks are supposed to be phenomenal 
I mean, for 50 bucks, it's fantastic. And they, they, I've heard that it really doesn't color your tone that much. Yeah, not that much. There's a little hint of something, but it's hard to kind of place. But it's but not it's something not like, that's like bad. Yeah, it's not like it, like the the big version of the Spark has mm-hmm. various voicing options in it. Um, yeah. So that's a little different than like the Mini Booster, where it's just the volume knob. I used to have the uh, this one's mine Mini Solo Boost, which was a super hard on clone. Yeah, yeah, I had one of those too. That was a, it. Was pretty good. It had a little yeah. bit of yeah. grit, but it was it did have a great sound to it. It colored your tone though. And, but but it did give it a nice sound. But I, I really like, just I, kick, kick on another drive. Yeah. But that's just me. <laughs> and my he's punk like I background. need more drive. <laughs> he's got like eight so, drives. He's like kick them all on. So why would a drive help you stand out in the mix? Uh, uh, normally, if I'm having to do that, I'm already using like a low gain. Uh, so either like the Matthews effects. Uh, Cartographer or architect, um, which the way my pedal board set up is it's that's my first drive, and then my next in line is uh, a Tube Screamer clone. So I'll either hit that, but it also has a built-in boost to where, depending on like which drive, I can actually hit that if I need a little more. But otherwise, I'll just hit the Tube Screamer, which will you know again boost those mids because you know we're not doing I'm, I'm mostly in church so we're not doing any like above the 12th fret like super lead stuff oh so you're not doing lion in the lamb yet we do but uh again super heavy tracks so like you just let the synth do that part and it's like okay because we do more of like the bethel part so like all the stuff that like Casey Moore wrote, it's like all synth now. So it's like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> I'll sit here and strum. <laughs> if we did that much synth at my church, I'd just hang myself in the back, like in the room, and I just walk in and you see my body floating. Like, oh man, that sucks. I like I I tracks are one thing. Like when it's that heavy, that just makes me so disappointed. Mm-hmm. Like you might as well just let's go back to the good old days where we were doing specials. And like people were like, no, 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 rewind the tape. No, that's the wrong key. That's no, no, keep going back, <laughs> back, back. You know, right there, and they start in the middle of the song on accident. Like, like okay, we'll, okay, we'll, we'll just wing it. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, well, the Lord's with us. Boom, sing <laughs> like this. <laughs> like, no matter what's going wrong in the thing, you'd be like, the Lord's with us. <laughs> like, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I hate tracks. Like, if I went to a church and they're like, no, no, we're gonna play with tracks. I don't know if I'd want to do it. Yeah, it all depends on, like, who the person setting up the tracks is. Because I've been at some churches, you know, they'll make sure they pull the guitar parts out. Um, or something that's, like, you know, oh, we want the guitar to be, you know, the focus of the lead part here. So you take that, I'll pull the lead out of the track. But there's also been times where, you know, because we don't get previews for the tracks until we, like, get in and start rehearsal. So yeah, like, that's not cool. Yeah, no, so it's like, oh, okay, so the synth in the track is doing the lead part, and it sounds like there's also a guitar part still in the track. Okay, cool deal. I'll uh, strum some power chords, so. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Like, Hopefully that's all they're running individually tracks to the front of house, so, like, even though it's in your ears, it's not. Oh, like, no. 
it, oh. it's a or they were using like a scarlet ti4 so it was like mm. click had its own thing q had its own thing and then it was stereo track yeah, that's that's too track heavy. I mean, it sh- it should be there as something behind you. Like if you miss a note, it's still filled in. Yep. But it's you're you're supposed to be able to sit on top of it. Yeah. Uh, a buddy of mine actually, he used his uh, Scarlet like twenty four input output thing at his church, and he would actually run you know like the keys on its own thing. If there was an organ track, he'd have that. If there was mm-hmm. you know string parts, that and synth. So like when I'd go run sound for him, like I wouldn't just have two channels of track, I would have like an entire section of board that was track. <laughs> yeah, it especially now you don't even need a sound card if you have a more modern setup. Uh, so there's a protocol for running digital audio called Dante. And you can download what's called Dante Virtual Sound Card to your laptop and have 16 or 20 channels out over just a single Ethernet line. Interesting. If you're running a digital network. If you're still running all analog. <laughs> it's a good luck. <laughs> which most church, I mean, depends yeah. when your church was built. I mean, yeah, that's, that's really this was about. still on analog. So, like, yeah. I was already at a 48 channel board that was, like, as long as my wingspan is. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, if I wanted to adjust drums, I had to walk to one end and then walk back to deal with the vocals. (laughs) Don't miss those days. (laughs) I kind of do, but I'm just a little old school. (laughs) Yeah. So, I I guess, sort of around the topic up, any other kind of things we haven't talked about, about sitting in a mix and do's, don'ts, things that you're doing Don't put too much reverb. Yes. So, like, yes. Like that's reverb is the most abused uh, effect right now. Actually, Cut that that out. would bring it back to the original start of the topic was muddiness. Muddiness. If, yeah. if you think you're muddy, check how many reverbs you have on right now, or the mix of the reverb. So like, <laughs> or delay I, pedals. So I've got the father from. So the way I've got my reverb set up is I run uh, a light reverb off of whatever amp profile I'm using. And then I kick on The Father by Matthew's Effects if I want to add. And this is when I'll be playing a single note and I want it to just kind of swell and expand and, and all this nice stuff. But like it's like when people are playing fast lead lines, like Lion and the Lamb is a perfect example. You've got this lead line that's actually quite moving. You've got this whole page. But you want to put so much reverb on it, it just turns into a wall of mud. It just sounds like a wall of crap. And it's a beautiful part that's a lot of fun to play. And you're just making it sound horrible because you want to stack. Because you you got a big sky and you feel like you you have to use the cloud setting all the time. Mm -hmm. Or an oscillating delay. A (sighs) self-oscillating delay. You got to use that sparingly. If that's you're always on tone, it's going to sound like mud. Yeah, like if you a, a good delay, you don't want a long repeats, you don't want a super high mix, you want it like the best way I always try to describe it is like an 80s solo where it's got like one repeat and then it's almost gone. Like that's kind of what you want to use for a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But unless you're doing a rhythmic sound, which I'm like I'm not the king of, but like that's my favorite thing. That's where 
I love doing a rhythmic delay and you know even, palm muting. Even then, your mix should not be over like seventy percent, and no. you should still only have like a measure's worth of repeats. Yeah, which is like you, you still don't want to go too much. Yeah, even at like dotted eighth, you still only want maybe four repeats after it. You yeah, don't need like, sixteen. The whole thing is, is we've got people who are trying to buy these $3,000 guitars because the way the wood breathes and the way the tone sounds on it. And you've got all this (laughs) and you're just smothering this beautiful tone with these high expensive pickups in delay and reverb that just you're hitting one note. Yeah. Like that's not your tone. Your tone should be if I was to strip (laughs) your reverb away and your delay and just have your guitar and, and whatever crunch you're using, that's your tone. Like you shouldn't be getting your tone from your reverb. I mean, your reverb has to sound nice, mm-hmm. but it shouldn't be the main focus of your tone. There's just a lot of players that do that. And it's becoming a point where it's like, what, what are you adding the whole, if you've got a synthesizer and pads, why do you need you to be a pad too? Exactly. But that's a whole another thing that gets me going. <laughs> we'll talk about that next week. Actually, that sounds like a pretty decent topic for next week. How not so. to suck with Jonathan? <laughs> God how, bless. How America. to play keyboard with your guitar, Scott? <laughs> oh my gosh! Volume Tune pedal DL four. <laughs> All right. So now that we've got my blood going um <laughs> thanks for joining us guys uh follow us on instagram at the effects loop join the facebook group it is uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the effects loop or just throw in the effects loop and you'll see our logo yeah and you can email us at the effects loop at gmail.com um if you are wondering where our sponsor is we need one find us one if you own a company Give us money and we'll talk about you. It's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's really cool how that works. It's it's this new thing we're trying out. It's never been done before. (laughs) So join us for the pilot program. All right. I'm Diaz. I'm Chris. I'm Marissa. I'm Scott. And this is the effects loop. Thanks, guys. Thanks, all.